I want to make one thing perfectly clear. This show is not about lumberjacks. My name is Christopher Grunland, and this is where I share my stories. Sometimes the stories contain truths, but most of the time they're made up. Sometimes the stories are funny, other times they're serious. But you have my word about one thing. I will never, ever share a story about lumberjacks. This time it's a second-person point-of-view tale in which you are a lumberjack. But first, the usual content advisory. Old growth deals with death, gore, anguish, being lost in a forest, being alone in the dark, and creatures. Despite all that, I'm back to another episode without swearing. Look, it's an environmental horror story about finding a sense of balance, okay? It's not even gory at every turn, more just creepy in its intent. Before getting into the tale, I want to thank everyone for supporting Not About Lumberjacks and helping make this episode the 50th full story episode of the show. Yep, the Big 50. And to honor the occasion, I'm doing a giveaway without making you jump through too many hoops or forcing you to share things online and tagging people. I'm not a big fan of that. Although you'll get an extra chance if you do, share things that is. But seriously, I'm not going to make you tag anyone because I hate that tactic. Anyway, people have been asking about Not About Lumberjacks t-shirts and other merchandise for a while. It's coming, but I'm not quite there yet. So, this is your chance to be one of the few people on the entire planet with a Not About Lumberjacks t-shirt. Here's how it works. And this applies internationally. None of that contest only valid in the United States stuff. To get one entry in the random drawing, all you have to do is email me at nalstories at gmail.com and that's N-A-L, like not about lumberjacks, so N-A-L stories, all one word, at gmail.com. And tell me your favorite episode or something you love about the show. That's it. If you email me and tell me that, and let me know you've shared this episode or your fave or something else you love about the show online somewhere, or that you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, newsletter, anything like that, and you'll get a second entry. Finally, if you're a Patreon patron, or sign up for my Patreon and let me know you did, you'll get a third chance. I'll do the random drawing on Saturday, December 23rd, and contact the winner then. And just so you know, All contact will be directly from me, so if you get contacted through an Instagram account meant to look like me, or any place other than nalstories at gmail.com, it's not me. I only mention this because I know that even when someone tiny does some kind of a giveaway, 
scammers try figuring out ways to exploit it. You'll know me by the email address and my babbling thank you for supporting the show. That's not as easy to fake. So that's it. And again, this applies to international fans of the show, too. All right, let's get to work. Old Growth You've waited for over an hour for the skitter to arrive, to grab your piles of export logs and haul them off to the loaders. All the radios are silent, even when calling to other crews on the mountain. You wonder if it's a prank, despite your tendency toward a seriousness that instills apprehension in others from having needless fun when you're around. You're the one who retires early to your bunkhouse room, while others stay up late in the cookhouse playing cards. You're the one who reminds the crew to keep focus on sight, knowing that a wandering mind does not last long in the timber. If they are up to something, you'll make sure they regret it. You climb out of your harvester and begin hoofing it back to the yard. Maybe it's a problem with your radio and others are waiting for you. Maybe there's a reason the skitter didn't return for more logs or no one has walked out to tell you something's broken down, and that everyone gets a bit of a break on a lovely early autumn morning. You walk along, listening to your footfalls, taking the cool air into your lungs and releasing each breath in a slow fog that lingers in the still air. Before you and to your left, all the way down the mountain, lie the efforts of your work. You tell yourself it will all one day come back. The same thing you tell yourself on every mountain you've helped strip bare. To your right, old-growth forest that doesn't come back the same way ever again. At least not in our lifetimes. Not in many lifetimes. Ahead, you spot the skitter. Its door is open, but Vinnie Pastor is not inside. Even if there's a break for maintenance, you think, he'd at least have brought everything back to the loaders. As you get closer, you hear it. A sound like a dog chewing on a bone. You slowly move to the far side of the vehicle, curious to see what's between it and the trees. You step back on an angle, putting distance between you and the skitter as you poke your head around. At first, you think it's a wolf feeding on a recent kill, but there are no wolves in this part of the state, especially this high up in the mountains. Besides, it's much larger than a wolf. You've heard that deer sometimes chew into bones for minerals, but this is too large for a deer, and elk stay down lower in the valleys. When it stands on its hind legs and stretches to its full height, you catch a glimpse of the insides of Vinnie Pastor. Ribs stick out in directions they were never intended to point. 
Most of what's inside is gone, dripping from the face of the creature before you. In your last effort to rationalize what you're seeing, you think to yourself, a bear? But as it looks at you with eyes not too unlike your own, a face more ape-like than ursine, you now understand that sometimes the things behind legends are real. Everyone's heard the stories and names. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the folk monster, and skunk ape. Yeti, Yaren, Orang Pandek, and Yowie. They have always been just that. Stories with blurry photos or footage as proof the legends exist. But you've seen no strange tracks in all your years in the mountains, and only heard stories meant to frighten green loggers coming into camp. Now you at least think some of the shaky videos you've seen on television were real. As you look at a mouth slicked with the blood of a friend, you understand how fear would make it difficult to film with a steady hand. If I'm to be next, you think, I'll be the one to finally get conclusive proof. But something so massive would be on top of you before you reached your phone in your pocket. Running back the way you came isn't an option. Even if you did make it back to the harvester, it would offer no shelter. The slope leading down is littered with stumps, a field of obstacles even without being pursued. A bear can run 40 miles an hour going downhill, and you imagine the hairy creature before you could likely do the same, if not move even faster. Instead, you retreat into the forest. As you rush through the trees, you listen behind you, surprised to hear nothing. Perhaps the creature decided a meal at its feet is better than chasing down another bite. As you stop, the only sound is your breath and the racing beat of your heart. You close your eyes and inhale deeply through your nose, out through the mouth. Repeat. When the pounding in your ears subsides, you open your eyes. It's darker than it should be. Not nighttime dark but dark enough that you look to the canopy to see if storm clouds have moved in as you've calmed yourself. Layers of foliage high above let in just enough light to make out where you are. You miss this kind of forest, the type of place you wandered as a child. No monoculture waiting to be harvested. Instead, old-growth ponderosa pines, juniper, Douglas firs, and mountain hemlock. Lichen-covered roots searching for nutrients, velvet green arteries pumping life through the dirt. You once listened to a podcast about the web of life hidden beneath forests, a network like old phone wires allowing trees to communicate. Old timber sacrificing energy to younger trees across the forest grid giving up their life for future growth. The DNA of fish found inside inland trees 
Nutrients shared from tall cousins near shorelines. You remember listening and thinking, I wish all humans were as generous. It was one of those days you felt shame about what you do for a living. You sit still for a minute, listening out for the creature while considering other things that might have actually been. Would the crew have gone to such lengths for a prank? Anything to ground yourself again in reality. It's only when you hear the laughing of a child that you know for certain something about this place is not right. You consider it might be stress, or maybe the wind moving through the treetops, carrying and distorting distant sounds that resonate unlike their source upon arrival. You once visited relatives in Texas, encamped beside a massive granite dome that crackled in the night as the heat of the day rose up from it like old ghosts. The wind made a bobcat's call sound like a screaming crone by the time it wound its way through the treetops and settled into camp. It was the only time in your life you were ever frightened while camping. But when you hear the laughing child say your name, you know it's not just the wind. You run until catching a whiff of something familiar, thick and rich tobacco. The sticky scent lingers in the humid air, reminding you of your grandfather smoking a cigar after dinner and telling you stories about logging by hand. For a time after his passing, you even tried smoking a cigar after every dinner. But it was a thing that smelled much better than it tasted, especially the morning after. You spot the source of the smoke, a massive hairy figure sitting on a branch in a tree that doesn't belong here. The tree's trunk flares at its base like thick ribbons slicing into the ground. Embers from the inhabitant's cigar burn hot, turning into fireflies that float off into the darkness. You don't know whether to speak or turn back, but it doesn't matter. Something on the path before you rises from the moss into a crooked stance and fixes its eyes upon you. It's much smaller than the creature at the skitter feasting on Vinny. You look for a branch or stone, anything with which to defend yourself should it charge. It opens a mouth that looks like it could stretch wide enough to swallow you whole. You realize what you thought was bristling hair covering its body is actually grass. It holds a single bronze bell in each of its hands. The melody and tone begins pulling you into its spell. Follow me! Where the trail splits, a woman stands before you, waving you her way. You pull yourself from the chiming of the bells and do as you're told, figuring if it's to not end well, better it be at the hands of something you can comprehend than a twisted creature with a mouth full of fangs. When she turns, you see something move behind her. A tail. 
following it up to where it connects at the bottom of her spine, you realize her back is a hollowed hole ringed with flaking tree bark like a dead tree. Still, you follow her over the hill. In the grove before you, an old woman bends over a bleeding tree stump, mixing potions in a stone bowl. She adds water and sap, ground leaves, and earth. Some of the concoctions are fluid and colorful, while others are viscous and brown. Solves are placed into small pots. When she's done, she gets to work. All the trees are bleeding, deep red sap oozing from gashes in their trunks. Some are saved while others bleed out, shriveling tightly until shattering into piles of sawdust. The potions are for all the broken animals, beautiful innocent beings gasping for breath all around. Like the trees, some are rescued while others perish. Beyond the marred trees and wounded animals lies a long tunnel of fire and earth, scoured by man. The old woman looks up after tending to a deer, which rises up on spry legs and leaps into the trees. She says, I will not claim my actions don't matter because they do to this land and these creatures, but I can only do so much. Why must you do so much to keep me so busy? You turn and rush down a green trail cutting through a forest that reminds you of visiting your relatives on the East Coast. What it must have been like to arrive on those shores, seeing new land after such a long and arduous journey. It smells like those family summer trips, rich earth in distant salt and sand. You were taught this is where the nation began, until discovering there were already many nations beyond that coastline. Before you stands a short man with hair like porcupine quills. He raises a bow and fires an arrow, hitting you in the stomach. You fall fast asleep. You dream a myriad creation stories, lore that carried all people forward no matter where they rose. In time, tales and science collide and merge, with many finding room for only one or the other, while others make space for both. Civilizations rise and fall. Some legends are lost to time, while others are carried with elders to new lands never to be forgotten. In faraway places, people come together to discover they're not so different. You dream about the Great Turn. Smokestacks rising above forests, an insatiable desire for more. Old stories are replaced by a lust for new industry. Simple trade among small bands becomes a wicked pursuit where people cheat their neighbors. Prosperity at the suffering of others. Dwellings that once housed entire families are toppled for bigger homes inhabited by fewer people. 
More material is needed. They come with axes and saws, taking entire forests instead of thanking nature for only what is needed. Sacrifice for sacrifice. Soon, timber powers the machines used to take even more and start newer industries. Lumberjacks and loggers become legendary, romanticized in stories, song, film, and television. They tell tales about the forests, and we in turn tell even taller tales about them. You learn this simple truth. Every forest has its guardians, and you and your crew have awakened them all. You wake up on your back, staring at the canopy. Trees on all sides of you rise high, meeting above your head like a cathedral. The sky is gone, replaced by twisted branches blocking your view toward the heavens. How is it you can even see? <clears throat> An old man clears his throat, and when you notice him, offers you a hand up. His other hand is a source of light, glowing with no visible means but his will. When you're standing once again, he smiles and turns away, begins walking toward a tight tunnel of branches. The entire chamber pulses like a heart. You remember hearing an old myth that if one spots a perfect circle in a forest, that it's a portal to other places. An old yard boss told you, if it's deep in the timber, it's always a gateway to another time or dimension, even if you don't see it. That's where the ancient things come and go. Is this the tunnel of light people who've crossed into death, only to return, say, is the final walk we take? Your apprehension is noticed. The old man grins and turns into a raven. He flies down the tunnel, lighting the way. Trickster, you think, and refuse to follow. The Cathedral of Branches collapses around you, snaking along the ground and grabbing you by the feet. Green tendrils shoot out from brambled walls, wrapping your arms in leaves and vines. When you try calling out, a coil of vegetation muffles you. You're lifted from the ground, extremities pulled to their limits, Vitruvian in green. Never one to dwell on death, you have imagined it on occasion. Car wrecks, drowning while kayaking, rolling over in the harvester and tumbling down the mountain. Pulled apart by a living forest, never made the list. Just do it! You try shouting despite being silenced. What must you look like, suspended and stretched to your limits in the center of the heart of the forest? The ground shakes, and the vines holding you taut resonate with the pain of every tree and animal taken beyond the agreement of old arrangements. How can one person endure such suffering all at once? The agony transforms you. 
With each thundering wave comes the groaning and crackling of ancient hardwood pushed to its limits. You realize the wind in your face is not from some faraway place, but from the exhalation of the venerable god now standing before you. His ancient visage commands attention. Bright green eyes hold you in his gaze. A pointed nose gives way to a mustache and beard like a tangle of roots at the base of a tree. His brow rises into smaller branches, projecting a long-forgotten wisdom. His hair is moss and leaves. You have learned a difficult lesson today, little one. The vines loosen their grip. There is still good in you. Were there not, you would not have made it this far. What do you want from me, you say? I believe you know. Am I supposed to apologize? I'm sorry. Is that what you want? No. I want you to carry this message back to your kind. You, little one, are a problem. Your brothers and sisters, too. You have enough, but always insist on taking more. When you were new, we welcomed you as our own. You were a different kind of animal, but as much a part of the circle as the rest of us. In time, though, your heart's filled with greed instead of wonder. It was not enough to live in harmony with the rest of us. There have always been thoughtful creatures among your kind, but their words have been silenced by ignorance and power. There is no shame in that, for we became silent as well. That was our undoing. It is time to make our presence known again. The old groves stand with the lands, seas, and the skies. Where one is harmed, we all are harmed. Where one cries out in pain, so go us all. And we have grown tired of you. I don't know what you want me to do, you say. That is for you to figure out. I am not here to make demands on you, but to ask you to consider your place in the circle and what you might do to change things before it is too late. The vines holding you in the heart of the forest release their grip. Before you fall, the old growth god catches you in his hand and places you on the ground. Remember this, little one. As the ancient god departs, an old woman steps out from the inside of an elder tree that shouldn't be there. The ground is now a pond beneath your feet. You panic for a moment, expecting to fall in and be soaked, but your feet find purchase on the water's surface. You walk to the shore, where the old woman looks at you and smiles. She reaches up and touches your cheek. It is not often people make it this far, she says. 
You would be amazed by how many fight back, thinking they can win a battle with nature. Here and out there, harmony is the path to survival. In the long times, even we will be gone. Your life is not even a flash before our eyes. When she raises her arms, the far edge of the well-rooted grove is bathed in soft light shining through the trees. You hear the familiar grumbling of Vinnie Skidder hauling logs. I have set things right, the old woman says. Now, you must do the same. You step into the light. Vinnie Pastor brings the skitter to a stop and opens the door. Hey, you okay? Yeah, you say, even though you're not sure. We were worried about you. Kept trying to call and got no response. What were you doing back there? I thought I saw something in the trees. Don't know what it would have been. Sure we've scared almost everything off the mountain by now. Wanna ride down for lunch? Sure. Vinny rotates the seat enough for you to squeeze in and stand in the corner of the cab on the ride back to the crew. After lunch, you say, Do you guys ever question what we do? What about it, Nash Anderson says. Like this job. Should we really be cutting such old growth? Pamela Clark takes a swig of coffee from her thermos and says, Hell yeah, we should. There's a lot more money up here than down there. Yeah, you say, but what about the future? Don't you want your kids and grandkids to see old timber stands like these? Vinny says, that's what state and national forests are for. Dakota Grant winks at you and says with a grin, you going woke on us? No, I just think, think what? I just think there are some places we need to leave be. Your boss, Colton Lewis, looks down the mountain and says, Too late for that. You sure you're okay, Vinny says? You look like you'd seen a ghost when you came out of the trees. I don't know what I saw, you say, but I think we need to leave. Leave what? The mountain. Not happening, Nash Anderson says. Then I need to leave. As you get up and walk off, Colton says, why don't you just finish out your shift? Ride back to camp and sleep on it. Take a day or two and think about things. But you keep moving, sidestepping the stumps of ancient trees you toppled with the harvester. You're serious, Colton says? All right, fine. We'll pack up all your crap and mail it with your final check. You stop and turn back for a final look at another forest that will soon be gone. It may fall, but others still stand. As you walk down the mountain, you think about where you stand in the circle and how you will use your voice to speak for those who cannot. Thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks, this episode and all the others. Hitting the 50th full story episode, knowing there are people who've listened to every tale makes this a joy to do. 
Don't forget to check out the show notes for the giveaway rules if that sounds like your kind of thing. Theme music, as always, is by Ergo Fizmiz. Story music was licensed through Epidemic Sound. Sound effects are made in-house or from Epidemic Sound and freesound.org. I also got some of the woodier sound effects in this episode from Blue Zone Corporation. They have some cool stuff. Visit nolumberjacks.com for information about the show, the voice talent, and the music. Also, for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the show at patreon.com slash cgrunland. And remember, if you're a patron or you sign up, you'll get an extra chance in the t-shirt drawing. In December, it's the annual Christmas episode. That means you get a handful of very short, short stories, and a bigger story tied directly to the holiday season. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.